0: veteran walker with the fitness show hosted by fitness expert author and tv personality Fitz Kohler she'll tell you why diets are dumb supplements are snake oil and the truth about how you can earn a lean hard pain-free and athletic body now for our favorite bossy blonde Fitz Kohler
1: Hi team, I'm Fitz Kohler, your fitness expert from Fitness.com, and welcome to The Fitness Show. Today we are going to talk about complete runner training, and my intention is to fill your brain up with as much quality information to help you run further, faster, and pain-free. In fact, that's what I specialize in, besides being a general fitness expert that helps everybody get to their goal, no matter what type of exercise they're choosing. If you're listening to this show, it's probably because you are running, you're running races, you're walking, you're doing something to move forward and you want to do it better. And perhaps you've been hurt, perhaps you've been going too slow, perhaps you just don't feel like you're getting the full experience you should. Maybe you're afraid, maybe you don't know exactly what you should be doing. And here's the deal with runners. Runners tend to only run. And yes, I'm stereotyping you all. And why? Because I'm embedded in the industry and I understand it. Runners tend to only run. And so hopefully by the end of this podcast, I will have convinced you that strength training, stretching, balance training, nutrition is all, focusing on those things is going to up your game in so many ways. Do you have things that make you say ouch when you run? Let's get rid of those. Would you like to PR? Would you like to PR on a regular basis? My runners do, and that's a fact. I I have online training groups, and, and besides being a fitness expert, I'm a race announcer, and I get to meet so many of you at races all around the country, from Florida to California to Michigan to New York to Georgia, Texas, all of those great places. I stumble across people that are looking for information to enhance what they're already doing, and I'm effective. And uh, I'm actually gonna do a little intro on who I am and what I do because I have a feeling this podcast is going to reach a unique crowd. So beyond my regular fitness show listeners, I think this one's gonna be shared. And the reason why is because runners runners are good with sharing. I mean, y'all are sponges, right? You're always looking for new races. You're looking for new running groups to, um, you know, just share nonsense with on Facebook. You share information well. And you train together, and you work together, and you help your friends. And so I have a good feeling that when you listen to this podcast, you're going to share it. And so for all the running groups that I get to work with, from Team Red, White, and Blue, the Mickey Milers, the Be Our Guest Podcast Lizards, who else we got, the Half Fanatics, the Double Agents, the Marathon Maniacs, the Long Beach Running Club, San Diego Track Club, LA Lagers, LA Roadrunners, all the folks here in Florida, Florida Track Club, all of you matter. And um, I'm hoping that you'll gather some information here that you'll share in all of those groups and amongst all of your friends. Besides being a fitness expert, and and I use the word expert, uh, I think it's very important that you understand what an expert is. An expert's not someone who went and got some license out of a Cracker Jack box a few years ago and has been training at your gym. I have a master's degree in exercise and sports sciences. I've been teaching for almost 30 years, and my intention follows very much the medical practitioner's um, oath of first do no harm. If you choose someone who is actually knowledgeable in the science of the way your body works and how to protect it, you'll, you'll be safe. And so create a safe environment first and help people get challenged, help them move forward with their training without injury. And then the other thing I am is a sport performance specialist. And I've been doing this almost my entire career. In fact, Many years ago at the University of Florida, I used to train Abby Wambach and her soccer team when she was here, when they won the national championship. And I also trained the tennis team when they won the national championship. And I've trained champion kickboxers and baseball players and football players and athletes of all sorts. And I don't train them all the same because they all have different needs. And whereas you may go to a running coach to help you with your your gait, your stride, your pacing, all of those things, that's not who I am. I am the person who prepares your body to perform at its best. And, uh, you know, a swimmer obviously has very different needs than a boxer, than a runner. And so what I'm going to teach you today is the things you need to know to get you from point A to point B further, faster, and pain-free. This is a workout. This is a game plan designed just for you. And I say runner, I use that word And there's a lot of wiggle room within there. And we all know that the running industry is full of people who run purely and some run walk and some just walk. But if you're going the distance between, you know, the start and finish line, whether it's a 5K or an ultra, you've got the same needs. And so we're going to move forward with that. And before you're a runner, this is what I need you to know, is that you're a person first. (laughs) That sounds sounds like I'm stating the obvious, but you really have to focus on that, and with your athletic adventures or endeavors, I have a feeling that you're very focused on being fit, and here's a principle of fitness that you may not be aware of. Being able to run far does make you fit, and it's easily summed up with the question, if you can do a marathon, but you can't do 10 push-ups, are you truly fit, You know, if you can bench a thousand pounds, but you can't touch your toes, are you truly fit? You know, if you, if you can, uh, bench a thousand pounds and you can't get up a flight of stairs without huffing and puffing, are you truly fit? The answer to all all those questions is no. And so in order to be a fit person, which falls in your first, uh, your first priority is that you are a well-rounded fit person. And that requires you to focus on your cardiovascular endurance, your strength, your flexibility, and your balance. Those are the fitness sides of things. Of course, there's nutrition, sleep, stress management, all of those things, but in order to be a fit person, you have to do all four of those things. Runners tend to only run. And so if you're one of those people who tend to only run and yet you think you're so fit, think again. You're gonna have to start incorporating the other areas of fitness just to qualify as a fit person. Forget if you're winning marathons. That's nice to win a marathon, but do you qualify as fit? Are you less likely to tear muscles because you're flexible? Are you less likely to fall down because you've got good balance? You know that's something a fit person can handle um, but perhaps you might not be there. So so think about that as we get started. The other thing that happens after you're running, after you're in a person is we want to focus on the fact that you're an athlete. And for many of my workshops, I'll say, who in here considers themselves an athlete? Now, mind you, I'll be at a clinic teaching at, you know, the Big Sur Marathon or the Skechers Performance Los Angeles Marathon, people that are doing big distances. And I say, who in here considers them an athlete? And out of 50 people, maybe two hands go up which is insane to me because they're going 26 miles, 26.2 miles. And so if you are pursuing racing or crossing major distances, I need you to put yourself in the athlete category. And you need to prepare your body as such, and you need to act accordingly. And if you were on, say, oh, the running team. Say, yeah, I know you train alone probably, but you're on Team Fitness right now. In fact, you attend the University of Fitzness. And we're on a team. And so yeah, we've hired some cool guy running coach that's great at teaching marathons but that, or how to do the marathon. But you would have a strength and conditioning coach. That's me. If you were part of a team at a university, you would have a strength and conditioning coach. And the reason being is just running is not enough. And that university would know that you would be more likely to be injured, more likely to be tired, more likely to not win if you weren't doing these other things. So I am your strength and conditioning coach, and I will help prepare your body to do its best while you go pursue your game plan of run 13.1 or run walk 13.1, whatever it is. But the strength and conditioning plan, that's what keeps you moving. And one of... (sighs) You know, one of my greatest pleasures, uh, I I get great rewards. You know, some professionals get awards that are trophies on the shelves, and I got a few of those, but I don't work for the trophies. What I work for is happy, successful people. And when Brian Marks reached out after we met at the Walt Disney World Marathon and says, Fitz, I've been following your plan, and I've lost 50 pounds and I shaved 90 minutes off my marathon, that was a reward for me. When uh, Michael Jones has lost 70 pounds, and he shaved time off his marathon. And more importantly, he ran that marathon pain-free where the last time he did a marathon, he tore his calf. That means a lot to me. Lori Weiner PRs at almost every single half marathon she does and the girl's running 50 in a year or something appalling like that. So. You will PR. If you do what I ask you to do, you will get where you want to go. And more importantly, the PRs are great, but it's the running pain-free. It's the feeling good while you get out on the course and you enjoy the experience. Oh my gosh, I couldn't say enough about it. So I am your strength and conditioning coach. And if you are on a team, that's what you would be doing. And so I start this deal with strength training. And I'm going to hit all the bullet points here and I'm going to try to fly through them. It's a lot of information that I want to cram into your skulls right now. But the main question is, on any given day, doing any given thing, would you rather be stronger or weaker? I'll say that again. On any given day, doing any given thing, would you rather be stronger or weaker? I have a good feeling that 100% of you decided you would rather be stronger. There is absolutely no scenario in life where it benefits benefits you to be a weak person. Weak in any area. Doesn't benefit you to have a weak neck if you're rear-ended in the car. It doesn't benefit you to have a weak back if you're trying to lug in groceries while carrying your toddler. It doesn't benefit you to have a weak lower body while you're trying to go from point A to point B. Stronger is always better. Now, I'm not telling you to go be a freakishly large bodybuilder. What I'm telling you is you need to be strong strength, your muscles actually hold your bones in place. And so if you are stronger, you are less prone to injury. Easy concept, yeah? I think so. The other thing strength allows is power, right? Because weakness doesn't provide power, does it? We look at our baseball players, our professional baseball players. Are they jacked up in the lats and their shoulders? Hell yeah, they are. Why? They want to throw bombs. They want to hit bombs. They want to knock it out of the park. We don't get a lot of scrawny guys out on the baseball team. Strength equals power. And as a runner, strength equaling power equaling speed is reflective at a track meet. So if you want to go see the sprinters, you're going to go see, you know, the butt kings and queens of the world, right? These people have incredibly strong muscular lower bodies because they are trying to be fast. They don't just run. They hit the gym. They hit the weight room. They do plyometric squat jumps. They do lots of squats with the bars on their back. These people are working for strength because strength equals power. So if you want to be faster, building up strength is going to be the secret to helping you do that. Pain-free, removing pain, strength does that. And then increasing speed. We all want that. Yes. Yes. So I'm gonna start with the pain part. Uh, There's a a bone in your body called the femur. Longest bone in your body, it runs between your hip and your knee. We're gonna call it the thigh bone, right? That's your femur. Your femur is held in place by a muscle called the glute medius. The glute medius is uh, in your rear end, kind of wraps around the side of your hip. That muscle holds your femur in place. Now think about this. You're running uh, 13.1 miles, which is approximately 27,000 steps. If your glute medius is not very strong, your femur's kind of rattling around in there in your leg and between your muscles and your skin. A rattling femur. What do you think that would feel like? You would feel that in your knee. Any one of you have some random knee pain you can't describe or you don't know where it came from? Maybe your hip hurts? Your hip hurts. You don't know why? there's a good chance it's because your femur's squishing around in there. And now I'm gonna address the the glute medius because here's, here's the problem. If you're not specifically working your glute medius, your glute medius is likely extremely weak. And this has been proven time and time again by physical therapists all over the world and it's an easy demo for me to do at my workshops. However, the glute medius works by lifting your leg out to the side and rotating your thigh outward. And so it it really gets worked while you're moving sideways. Today alone, when did you walk like a crab today? When did you walk sideways? None, you didn't do that at all? No, what about this over the past week? When did you do the crab walk? No, okay, maybe the past month? No, it's because we don't move that way. Humans don't do that, we don't walk sideways. And in order to build strength, we would have to walk sideways against resistance. And so there's a good chance if you're not specifically, purposely training your glute medius, your glute medius is really weak and your femur's rattling around while you're running. So if you have any suspicious knee pain that you don't have any um, good rationale for, it probably has nothing to do with your knee. It probably is stemming from that weak hip and the rattling femur. And so you can repair that by simply doing this exercise. And so the exercise I would have you do, there's two. Well, there's more than two, but there's two real ones we focus on that are simple stupids. And they're all available. I'm going to give you a list of some basic exercises, and you're just going to have to imagine them as we go through them. But on fitness.com, that's my website, F-I-T-Z-N-E-S-S, yeah, F-I-T-Z-N-E-S-S.com, I have a video right up front. It's called Strength Training for Runners Workout run further, faster, pain-free with it. You'll see it. Do that. It's a 12-minute video and it encompasses all the things you need to uh, train with in order to enhance your running, to build that lower body strength and power to be able to run further, faster, pain-free. This video is also available on my YouTube channel. So if you remember the word fitness, you can find it on fitness.com, fitness on YouTube, strength training for runners. That's an easy easy, a phrase to remember, but all of these exercises are in that workout. It's 12 minutes long and I will ask you to do it every other day. You never want to train as when we come to strength training, you never want to strength train the same muscle two days in a row. The reason being when you train the muscle properly, you're actually doing damage to the muscle fibers. You're tearing them. And so your body requires about 48 hours to send in the troops to rest, repair, and rebuild that muscle and you'll grow stronger. If you're constantly strength training that muscle day after day after day, The repair-rebuild process never takes place. You're just tearing it down. So please don't train the same muscle groups every single day. Um, Do not do those ridiculous 30-day challenges like the plank challenge every day. It just, it's, um, you get diminishing results. Do not do push-ups every day. Do them every other day. So with that strength training for runners, one of the things we focus on is this glute medius. And the way you work this muscle is, again, you got the crab walk side to side. Imagine doing that with a resistance band around your ankle. A big rubber band, a big thick one around your ankle. You're just walking side to side, toes forward. That is called lateral gait. That exercise is a beast. And here's the thing. When you look at someone doing it, you think, oh, that looks easy. No big deal. When you start doing it yourself you immediately want to jump off a bridge. It's really, really hard to do, and the suffering kicks in pretty darn quickly. However, it's so effective. And so what I would say is get one of these bands, give me a tiny little squat, just soft knees, and walk to the right. Take 10 big steps to the right, and then 10 big steps to the left. That might be enough. In fact, when I teach my clinics at the at a marathon weekend, um, I will have volunteers come up and demonstrate these exercises, but I never let anybody do more than a handful of these lateral gait exercises because I don't want them to be sore the next day. But you'll start with a rubber band around your ankle, 10 to the right, 10 to the left, stop for the day, come back and do it two days later, maybe do 12 to the right or do a couple of sets, build on as you can, always build gradually. But wow, what a big difference it will make in the way you feel and perform while running. The other fantastic exercise for this particular muscle group is called a chicken wing. Some people call it oyster shells or clamshells, but basically you lie on the side, you take that rubber band, you put it over your knees, so it's right on your thighs. And then as you're lying on your side, both legs stacked, you lift your right, your top knee up and out. So it's in the exercise, it's in the video. I call it chicken wings, but um, It's a must-do exercise. Again, change the way you run and feel. And, And here's the deal. Who knows what the word piriformis is? Have you ever heard of an IT band? What about plantar fasciitis? Okay, the reason you know those words is likely because yours have hurt at some point. IT band is not part of normal conversation. It's not something you learn growing up just in school. We talk about the IT band. The IT band is really popular among people who have IT bands that hurt. And so you can, you can alienate that problem. An IT band is not a muscle. It's not a ligament. It's connective tissue that hurts when you're weak or tight. And so you can, you can alleviate or remove the chance that your IT band will hurt by just doing the right thing. And, um, up front, if you do what I'm telling you to do right now, you'll avoid a lot of problems down the road. If you've, if you've been one of the lucky people to not have IT band syndrome or plantar fasciitis, yay for you. However, you're the anomaly or you just haven't gotten there yet. Like most runners, if you just run, eventually you're going to have some sort of pain some sort of pain that you can't tolerate anymore, something that wears on you, something that prevents you from going out to exercise, something that affects your mind because you get so depressed because you were training and you felt so great and then all of a sudden everything came crashing down because your knee or hip hurt or your feet hurt. Well, you can prevent that because when you get all that pain, eventually when it, when it kind of tears your little game plan a lot apart and you can't go run the race you planned, you'll go to the doctor and you'll spend a lot of money there. Doctor will probably do an MRI and go, yeah, you don't have any tears. I don't see any reason for surgery. Go to a physical therapist. And when you get to the physical therapist, you know what he or she is gonna have you do? Lateral (laughs) gait, chicken wings. They're gonna have you do all the exercises that are included in my strength training for runners video. So I give it to you freely. There's no expense for that. But if you do it up front, you can avoid the pain, the suffering, the doctor, the physical therapy, and that the physical therapy, you'll end up doing what I told you to do to begin with. So just avoid it all. Be proactive. Make the game plan, game, make the game plan follow it, and it will change your life. So we went through the glute medius. Next up, I want you to train your glutes. Your glutes are the things that move your leg backwards. Power as you press off the ground, pushing forward. Glute, glute, glute. How do we work our glutes? Squats! Yes, squats are fantastic for runners. However, I want you to train them on one leg. And the reason being is we do not run down the course like a bunny. Hop, 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 like little bunny foo-foo hopping down the forest. We don't do that. We, Our legs work independently as we run and walk. And so, as your sport performance specialist, I want you to train the way you perform. And so we're going to do your squats on one leg. Squat down, stand up. You're probably gonna need to hold on to something. A balance bar you can hold or a chair or the wall, but you can do squat down, squat up, one leg. You can do wall squats on one leg. The other great exercise for your glutes are lunges. I love lunges and they are something that will not only build your strength in your glutes, They'll build strength in your quads, and they'll work your balance. So do lots of lunges, lots of single leg squats. In fact, if you're at the gym using the hack squat where you sit down and then you put your feet up on the machine and press one leg at a time, and again, that's because that's how you perform. Sure, you can do some squats on on two feet if you prefer, but make sure you always build in time to do those squats on one leg, and it will make a big difference. Also, with those plyometric boxes or even a weight bench, step up lift yourself up. That's a great way to work your glute and your quads. So you're doing step ups, you're doing step downs, single leg squats, lunges forward, lunges backwards, single leg wall squats, your glutes, not only are they going to be strong and help you go faster and they're going to hold your femur in place, but you are going to look damn good in a pair of shorty shorts. You got that? So glutes, quads, squat, squat, lunge. And then I want to go to your anterior tibialis so perhaps that's a muscle you've heard before perhaps it isn't however the anterior tibialis is really important because it runs opposite your calves now often in a clinic i'll say what at the beginning i'll say what is the most important muscle for a runner and without a doubt most hands go up and people say calves and and that's just not true it's it's your hips it's those glutes and the reason being is your legs are heavy right your legs are Each leg is approximately 20% of your body weight. So if you're the strange person that's only 100 pounds, then it's a 20-pound dumbbell, your leg. But if you're closer to 200 pounds or 150 like most people, you're looking at a 30 to 40-pound dumbbell jetting off of your hip. That's a lot of weight. Now, as we consider our legs, our dumbbells, if you're doing a marathon, that's about... 53,000 times you're going to have to lift those 30, 40-pound dumbbells forward to move, right? That's a lot of work. That is a lot of work. So forward, 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 lift, 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 lift. And we lift with our hip flexors. That is the muscle that's opposite your glute. So right there, if you put your hand within the crease of uh, where you'd sit down, right at that bend between your thighs and your hip bones, right in there, is your hip flexor that's your lifting muscle you got your glutes which push and your hip flexors with which lift so go ahead and stand up unless you're driving your car stand up do it stand all of you one more okay up everyone's up now hold on to something for balance and take your right leg and this is of course if you're if it's safe for you and you're not on roller skates and you don't have a spinal column injury but you have that right leg make it straight lock it out straight Now lift it up in front of you as high as you can. Good. Hold it there. Now I want that right toe, your right big toe, as high as your belly button. So hold that leg up very, very high. Good. Keep it there. Keep it higher. Three more seconds. Up, up, up. And go ahead and put it down. How'd that feel? Heavy? Yes. And the reason being is because legs are heavy. So whether your leg is 20 pounds or maybe your leg is 40 pounds, legs are really heavy. And so as you lift, lift. Every time you lift that knee, you're lifting your 30, 40-pound dumbbell. It's fatiguing. That's really one of the great reasons people slow down is because their hip flexors get so dang tired. So you sit down and you you sit down on the ground, feet out, uh, legs spread into a V shape, and now you just lift one leg off the ground. Hold it for three seconds, put it down, lift up the other leg. Put it down lift up the other leg you just take turns and that's how you build strength in your hip flexor you can also um, go to a cable machine at the gym wrap a cup around your cuff around your ankle face away from the machine and lift your knee up that's a great way to do resistance training for your hip flexors but hips 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 are the most important exercise hips and glutes for a runner everyone thinks it's your calves it's just not so however Opposing your calf is a very ignored muscle. And I say so because not many people focus on the anterior tibialis or even know what it is. So, look down at your calves. They're probably pretty sexy, right? If you've been running or walking for a while, you probably are extremely proud of your calves. Wow, look at my calves, they're so great. One of the things we like in the fitness industry is to see balance throughout your body. So if your bicep is really strong, we want your tricep to be equally strong. And the reason being is the weaker muscle often is prone to injury. And we don't want that to happen. Not many people have the calf injury. More people have shin splints, right? That's often from a weak anterior tibialis or a tight calf. So what I want you to do is intentionally work the muscle that runs opposite your calf. Yes, you can do calf raises, but they're not part of the strength training for runners plan because you are up on your toes a lot. So my plan has you focus on the anterior tibialis. It's really easy. What I want you to do is lift up your toes right now. Just lift them up. Good, put them down. It's kind of like tapping your toes. Lift up, hold, put down. Good, now faster, up and down and up and down. Good, you can do that. Now, the other exercise you can do, which I really like, and I like you to incorporate at the end of your runs is to just walk on your heels. So anytime you're lifting those toes up in the sky or towards your shin, you're working that muscle, the anterior tibialis. So you could do it at your desk while um, just working on your Mac or whatever you got. You could tap your toes. But at the end of your run, especially if you go outside, this is a really nice way to cool down. It's just spend the last 50 yards of your walk or your run walking on your heels. You're allowing your heart rate to cool, calm down. You're taking deep breaths. And you're strength training that interior tibialis. So build that into your workout. It's part of my strength training for runner's workout, but you can always build it in as you go out. And uh, you will see a major difference in the way your lower legs feel. And if you are someone who's prone to shin splints, this is a really good idea along with the stretching. And that's what a PT will tell you is most of the reasons people come in with pain, most runner pain, is due to tightness or weakness. And so we've just addressed the weakness part. We'll soon go to the tightness part, but both have got to be part of your game plan. And again, runners only run. So it's a very few um, runners who actually really focus on their strength training. There's almost even less that stretch properly. So we've done the lower body. Now listen, do I want you to uh, strength train on your hamstring? Yes. Do I want you to do adductor exercises? That means inner thighs. Yes but the exercises that I'm focusing on are the ones that are really gonna train, change your running game. And so again, go to that Strength Training for Runners program and if you go through it once and it feels really hard for you, stick with that for a while. If you can only get through half of it per exercise, great, I've given you something that's challenged you. As you move forward, if you become better and better and all of a sudden you feel like this 12 minutes worth of exercise is not enough, Add on, add dumbbells to your squat, put on a weight vest while you're going through the routine. There's a lot of things you can do to deescalate the intensity of workout or make things harder. Lower body, extremely important. It cannot go ignored. However, there's another section I really need you to work on which is your core. And now the core is comprised of four different muscle groups. It's your abs, your back, your hips, and your glutes. So all four pieces combine your core. Some people think core training is just abs Nope. Not true at all. Ab training is just ab training. (laughs) But your core has all of these elements that work together to hold you upright. Now think about um, how many people we know that have low back pain, right? Lots and lots of people. The percentages I believe are astronomical. I believe the amount of Americans that complain of some sort of back pain per year is about 70% it's high now sure that could be just oh my back is sore I walked around Disney all day or it could be yikes I had a horrible car accident and my back hurts but back pain is something we can almost all identify with and the reason being is holding our big bodies up all day is work And that's what your core is responsible for doing. So um, breaking down the muscles of your abs and then your erector spinae, those are your low back muscles, this is how they function. If you did not have an erector spinae, which is the muscles of your low back, if you only had abs, they would be in flexion and you would be folded forward all day. That, you would be nose to knees all day. If you did not have the abdominal muscles and you only had those low back muscles, you would be flung backwards in a bridge. With the back of your head hitting your uh your shins right that's what that muscle will do and so your abs and your low back are constantly working together to hold you upright if you don't have your back resting on a chair or a bed you're holding yourself upright and those muscles are contracting that's tiring work all day you know especially with an active day your abs are engaged sure sometimes your arms get to rest You know maybe your knees get to rest if you're sitting down but if you're on a bench with no back your back's not resting your abs aren't resting and so they're put through uh the ringer on a regular basis now imagine having to do the job of holding you upright for 26 miles that really starts to burden your torso that becomes a job and I see a lot of runners come through finish line holding on to their back. And it's not that, gee, I'm tired back. It's, oh my gosh, my back is so sore. I need to sit down. And so if you've ever felt that, you should focus on the low back training. I know that most people are doing ab work. It's the back that needs extra effort. And, and that's reflected by people don't call in work into work because, ooh, they have an ab ache. People call into work because their back hurts. It's just you know, that ignored muscle. And quite often it's because we see the abs in the mirror and being as vain as we are, we want to see the things. We, we, we like to work the things that are up in front of us. So abs, abs are also really trendy. They're really popular. So, you know, having great abs is a thing. Not so many people are like, ooh, check out her low back. Yes. Sexy. Although I think back muscles are incredibly sexy. And so here's what we're going to do. Remember, these two muscles are the same as all your others. You don't want to train them every day. You want to put in an effort to really challenge them and give them 48 hours break. Yes, that works for your abs. Your abs are a muscle just like your quads are, okay? So they have to have that 48 hour break after you've wreaked havoc on them while strength training. Um, first let's cover your low back muscles because I think those are those are the highlight of the day you know when we're talking about your core do the low back and bridges bridges are the easiest thing you can do that yield the most amazing results bridges if you have a back if you are a person who has a back you should be doing bridges now next week next year for the rest of your life bridges are going to enhance everything you do and make you less likely for injury so you lie down on the ground You tuck your heels into your tush so your knees are up high and then you just lift your bum off the ground and try and make your body into a flat line between your shoulders, your hips, and your knees. That's a bridge. You can do a bridge by just holding that in place for 30 seconds. For many of you, that will be tremendously challenging. And so do your 30 seconds, take a 30 second break, try again for another 30 seconds if you can. If not, go for 20 and then we build up gradually. If you have a very strong low back and you have been training, well, you can do a variety of exercise. Once once you get into that bridge, you can lift up one leg, move it up and down, move it out to the side. Our limbs act like dumbbells. They're in fact, our body weight is pretty much the greatest exercise tool we could ever find. So. Um, I have videos on my YouTube channel. It's Fitsness on YouTube, and you'll see beginning bridges and advanced bridges. And you can do the bridges on your own by just, you know, timing them, doing it for 30 seconds or 60 seconds. But then there's a lot more fun stuff you can do with bridges, and I've laid it out for you. It's free, but you gotta do bridges. The other tremendous exercise for your low back that can't be ignored are supermans. Supermans are super simple. You just lie on your face, prone, Face down on the ground, you can lift both arms up at once, you can lift just your legs up at once, knees off the ground, or you can lift both of your arms and both of your legs off the ground and hold. All of those exercises done, you know, 30 seconds at a time, you could do them as simple repetitions up and down, up and down, but as you lift up your arms and legs, you're contracting that low back muscle and that's what matters. So do what feels good for you. But do these things often, every other day, and man, it will change the way you perform and the way you feel while doing it. Abdominals, I'm going to fly through them, but I want you to understand what your abs are made of. They're made of your your rectus abdominis, which is the long muscle that goes between your rib cage and your pubic bone. So up, down, north, south of your body. That muscle is worked by contracting forward, basic crunch style. You can do a lot of creative things within that realm, but basically the the motion of bringing your rib cage towards your pelvic bone, that's how you work the rectus abdominis. Now you have your obliques, they form kind of a crisscross along your waist, that's at least the best imagery. That muscle is worked by doing your basic crunch and rotating. So you're rotating right shoulder to the left hip bone. And there are many variations in which you can do that but that crunching motion lifting against gravity shoulder towards hip bone will work your obliques and then there's a third set of muscles in your abdominals called the transverse abdominis. this one's tricky because it runs east west across your abdominal wall hip to hip now normally when we think about shortening a muscle you see that contraction a hamstring curl is done because you've brought your heel up to your tush. You've actually shortened that muscle. You've bent that leg. Well, you can't bring your hips to hip. You can't do that. And so you work the transverse muscle um, with a plank. That's the best choice, bringing your belly button towards your spinal column, hold that in. That works your transverse abdominis, but you can do, uh, you can work against gravity, which is my favorite thing to do. So face down, plank, you can do many variations of that, but That's how you work your transverse. You've got your rectus abdominis, your obliques, and your transverse. You should be working all three every time you do abs. Simple enough. Break the extras up into a third, a third, and a third, and go from there. I actually have a core training DVD called Flip-Flop Abs. And the reason I call it Flip-Flop Abs is because when I teach core training, we're never in the same position for more than one exercise. We go from our back to our front, to our side, back to our front, in our back where I work the abs, I work the erector spinae, your low back, your hips, and your glutes. And so this DVD is pretty extraordinary. It's designed to be tough. There's three different 12 to 15 minute workouts. There's the whip, the stinger, and the sidewinder. They're mean, however, again, it's they're designed to challenge you, so if you're a newbie, You could jump into the stinger and maybe within four and a half minutes, you'll be toast. Great. I've given you something to work for. Next time you come back and you do it for five minutes and then you go to the sixth minute. And if you already think you're a beast, well, give it a go. See if you can do a couple of them on one day. But uh, it's very effective workouts that target your entire core, not just one component of it, and will really make a difference. You can get that on fitsness.com. We have an ongoing... Coupon code is twenty five percent off using the code hottiebody. That's H O T E T T I E B O D Y. Um, but that's up to you. If not, I have tons of free resources. Again, that YouTube page is chock full of uh, ab training. I have pieces, uh, video segments to train every piece of your body. But do it. Strength training. I can't tell you enough. And and you t- say, I don't have much time. I only have time for running. Make time for running or make time for strength training or give up one of your runs for a killer strength training session or two, I assure you, it will make all the difference in the world and you don't have to spend two hours in the gym. I did my lower body workout today in about 25 minutes and I was at the gym using equipment and the boxes and the bands and all of those things, but I hit it hard and it took me 25 minutes and then I was done. So don't feel like it's gotta monopolize your world. You can do these exercises outdoors in front of your house the second you finish your workout, follow my the Strength Training for Runners video on your cell phone while you're out there. I assure you, big, big, big difference. Now, we're gonna move on, stretching. Those physical therapists will tell you the other reason <laughs> for runner pain is tightness. So you've got to put in the time. And here's why stretching is important. Because the more mobile you are, the more bendy, the greater range of motion you have as a person, the least likely you are to tear things. Tightness is responsible for sprains, strains, and tears. Who likes to tear muscles? Anyone? No, nobody likes to tear muscles. In fact, I've torn quite a few muscles in my career. I used to uh, fight competitively as a kickboxer for 10 years. And that old hamstring tear never goes away. I'm living proof of that. So if you can increase your range of mobility, so perhaps perhaps you're running a race and uh, my noisy buddy Rudy Novotny is announcing and he gives that big runner set, go, and you get super excited, and you take one big stride that you shouldn't have taken because it's 4.30 in the morning or something preposterous like that, and rah, tear your hamstring. You don't want to do that. And so flexibility not only allows for symmetry within your um, your body, but it allows for that range of motion. And it's, a flexible body is a lot more forgiving when it's thrown out of alignment. You know what I'm saying? You take a fall, you're doing a trail race, you hit the in the ground. You, you launch yourself over. Have you torn your rotator cuff because you landed weird and your arms are too tight? Your, maybe your shoulders are too tight. So stretch, 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 stretch. You can stretch all day if you want. While there's boundaries on strength training every other day, there are no boundaries on stretching. You can stretch all the time. The time where you will find the greatest benefit and make the most, um, Progress is stretching at the end of your workout. So once your body's all heated up and warm, your muscles are actually more pliable when they were when they just were cold before you started working out. So you can go a little further when you're stretching at the end of your workout. And here's the gauge to make sure you're always challenging your body. If you're doing cardio, you should be huffing and puffing. If you're huffing and puffing, we know you're taxing, challenging, and making progress with your heart and lungs and endurance. Strength training. You should be grunting. Things should be hard for you. You should be going, ah, this sucks. You know, by the time you get to that repetition number 10, you want to punch someone in the face, probably me for making you do it. When you're strength stretching, you should go to the point where you wince. You know, you squint that one eye and think, Eee, that feels I feel that. That's how far you should go with stretching. But I can't stress this enough to you. I've got a great hip strength stretching workout on my YouTube channel. But you know how to stretch, folks. Give it a go. Wake up and do it in the shower. Bend over, touch your toes. Do the angry cat stretch in the morning while you're lying in bed. You know, get up from your desk and move around. Do stretches out on the wall. Throw your foot up on your desk and stretch your hamstring. Take a yoga class, do some Pilates. If you're a martial artist, wow, you probably are doing a lot to stay mobile. Um, What is it, Tai Chi? I mean, there's a lot of things that get your body moving. And think about running. We're in a very small plane. It's a very short activity, right? We're just tight, tight, elbows are bent, knees are normally bent. We're not doing so much to enhance our range of motion while we're running. But if we hit that root in the ground and wipe out, it's over. It's over if you haven't prepared for that. So stretch, 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 stretch. Next up would be balance training. Now why would balance training be important? Why do we do balance training? So we don't fall down. That's exactly right. So we don't fall down. Nobody likes to fall down. I remember I fell down a lot as a kid. It didn't seem like a big deal. As a grown up, I have hit the pavement a few times with my hands and knees and thought, holy hell, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. So we don't want to fall down as athletes. It's certainly a way to rain on our parade, ruin the race, ruin our training experience, possibly break bo- break bones. We don't want to do any of that. So staying upright is a really good thing. There's a, there's a thing called proprioception. I'm going to throw some big words at you. This is probably the biggest of the day, but proprioception is your body's natural ability to respond to imbalance. And A good example would be you're running down a sidewalk and there's the grass, right? And so maybe, maybe you got a group of runners who are running three across, right? And so you want to get around them and you've stepped into a place where your foot is halfway on the sidewalk, halfway on the grass. Now, for many people, when this outside of their foot hits the grass, ankle rolls, they go down, race over. If you've been balance training, however, your proprioception is high. And that means you run past this group of folks walking and you try to get around them, the outside of your foot hits the grass, your ankle starts to roll, but then proprioception kicks in, boom! Your ankle responds straight up and you continue running. So is your ankle trained to respond to that weird imbalance and hold you up anyways. That's before you have time to send a signal from your brain that says, hey ankle, respond to that. Don't let yourself fall down. Either it happens or it doesn't. You can prepare to have elite proprioception and that's what I want you to do. This is why balance training is important. We've all seen the uh, elderly person that has died three years early because they took a fall in their house. Balance is training for all areas of our life. If little kids had better balance, they would eat it less often. If athletes have better balance, they would eat it less often. If elderly people work on balance, they would eat it and then really eat it far less often. So proprioception, how do we work it? Well, we use simple balance training exercises first. Again, if you're you're not driving and you're in a safe place, stand up. Everybody, yes, you, I'm getting you up again. Making people move is what I do. So you're standing now. Hold on to something if you need to, if you feel like you've, you're a super fit person who's not very um, fragile, stand up without holding on to something. So lift one leg up in the air. This could be very challenging for you, but I have a feeling many of you are standing there with your foot up going, okay, fits, no big deal. This is not hard at all. All right, now close your eyes. Ah, big difference, right? That's a simple balance training exercise. Okay, so now your eyes are closed. You can move your arms around, wave your arms around. That will slowly throw your body. That'll shift weight from side to side, causing that left ankle or left foot you're standing on to adjust, and that's what you wanna train it to do. You can can go ahead and sit down now. You can do balance training in a variety of ways. There are fitness tools called a balance disc. There's a BOSU, B-O-S-U stands for both sides utilized, but if you stand on the squishy dome side, that will throw off your balance. And you can not only do balance training on these devices, but you can do go through your basic upper body weight training routine on a Bosu. So lift some dumbbells, do your bicep curls, your uh, lateral raises with your dumbbells for your shoulders while on the Bosu. Incorporate it into your workout. When you do lunges, you can do lunge by stepping up onto the Bosu and back. You know, anytime you have... Uh, you encourage your body to adjust, practice adjusting, it will get better at it. If you're at home and you don't have any of these fancy fitness gadgets, just stand on a pillow or stand up on your bed. It's a squishy subject. It will make you shift around. <laughs> and you know, when we talked about how to know you were challenging yourself in the other categories, we have the huff puff, grunt, wince. and balance training, you wanna make sure you're wobbling. And so if you were taking a yoga class and everyone gets up into some position where they're standing and they're holding on to one foot. All the people in the room that are standing motionless, that have no problem with this exercise, they're not gaining anything because they're already good at that. The people in the room that are wobbling around trying desperately to grab their foot, they are benefiting because you know they're being challenged and their body is being forced to work. Those other people holding their foot up, would do much better if they started flapping their other arm like a bird or close their eyes, anything to throw them off balance. So if you think, hey man, I'm already really good at balance, find something that challenges you and throws you off, and then you know you'll be making progress. Any questions on that? Oh, you guys are so sharp. So I'm trying to move quickly. Like I said, there's a ton of information, but I want to dive into nutrition now. <clears throat> Interesting phenomenon is that people training for a marathon tend to gain weight. Oh, how frustrating is that, right? You guys are training for big distances. Even if you're training for a 5K for the love, you should not be gaining weight, right? You're putting too much effort into that. Well, the deal is, is people come with the mentality of, I'm training for a marathon. I can eat anything I want. And the reality is you can never, ever exercise off reckless eating. It just doesn't happen. So if you are already of ideal weight, maintain that. Great. Maintain what you're doing. But if you're someone who would like to lose 10 to 100 to 1,000 pounds, then I'm going to guide you with a simple principle called the exact formula for weight loss. And some people say, well, I'm just going to lose weight after the marathon. Maybe you're 50 pounds overweight and you think, well, I'm going to lose weight after. Well, I still encourage you to go do the race. However, taking some of that weight off of your joints would be a really good idea. would make that marathon way, way more pleasant. You know, carrying around an extra 50 pounds is con- is no different than carrying around a backpack with a sack of 50 pounds worth of potatoes in it. It's hard work. It's traumatizing on your body. And so we all can't be light and spry and and that's fine, but you can be your best weight. You can be your most ideal weight and that really isn't so hard to... Uh, Accomplish. I'd like to start by apologizing for all the hacks in my industry, all the thieves, all the snake oil salesmen, all the liars, all the people who have absolutely no business guiding others on fitness or nutrition yet do because they want to dig deep inside your pockets and steal what you got. Shame on them, but no more shame on you for falling for it, okay? Here's the deal. There is no magic pill. There's no shake. There's no wrap. There's no diet. There's no powder, there's no supplement that will get you to your ideal weight. There's none of that. And if those things existed, Oprah Winfrey would still be a size 10 wearing those sexy Calvin Klein jeans. Remember that? The woman who's one of the most famous billionaires in the world, who's desperate to lose weight, she's not at her ideal weight because she hasn't found that magic shake. It doesn't exist. What exists is... Eating the right amount of the right food for the size you want to be. Eating real food. And people will, man, they'll, they'll hit you at every angle, right? With these, oh, the shake salesmen. The shake salesmen I'm happy to invite into a, a boxing ring any day and have it out. I don't care who they are. Let's go toe to toe. I will knock out every last one of them. Because you know what? Most of them have absolutely no degree. They don't have not only exercise and sports sciences. They don't have nutrition, dietitian, none of that. And, and nutritionists don't sell this stuff because they know better. Shame on the school teacher or the stay-at-home dad or the bus driver. What the hell are they doing selling, quote-unquote, nutritional products? And who the hell is buying stuff from a person without any sort of cr- credentials, right? Why are we falling for this? So no longer are you going to do that. If I took an apple and I put a sticker on it and called it a weight loss apple, would you think I was absurd? Yes, you would. You would think I was absolutely absurd. And that exactly goes along with these stupid weight loss shakes. As though there's something magic inside them, you're going to consume this 200-calorie shake and it's going to make you lose weight. That's preposterous. We cannot rely on fake stuff and we cannot rely on gimmicks that don't work. If you want to lose weight, you're going to have to do it in a way that you can maintain for a lifestyle. Diets, diets are temporary measures that yield temporary results. They also yield frustration, suffering, ugh, feelings of misery. You got to gotta get rid of that. And so I'm going to teach you something based on science, and I hope you'll look further into it. It's called the exact formula for weight loss. There is always a link to the exact formula for weight loss on the cover of my website, fitsness.com. You'll see it. I think it has an apple with a tape measure around it as the image, but it is something that has held help thousands and thousands of people lose weight and stay there without being hungry, without being miserable. You know, the second someone tells you, hey, you know, in order to lose weight, you can't have anything white. Really? <laughs> no cauliflower, no onions, no potatoes. Potatoes are so good for you. They're full of potassium. You're never going to have a slice of pizza again? Really? That dough is so evil. You're never going to have a slice of pizza? It's just not realistic. So why do something that you're going to have to undo at one day? And the second you undo this diet, you're going to pay the consequence for it. So instead, I'm not going to tell you to avoid any category of food. All I'm going to ask you to do is eat within moderation, eat in a way that meets your goals. And so um, the exact formula for weight loss is based off of science And on average, the human body burns about 10 calories per pound of weight per day. So if you are 200 pounds, on average, just going about your business, getting dressed, going to work, doing your thing, you burn about 2,000 calories per day. Not only through the actions we can see, but your body's constantly burning calories, digesting food, processing oxygen. It takes a lot to keep us alive. Being alive requires hard work. And if you have even a remotely active day, 10 calories per pound of body weight is is what's generally assigned to you. So if you're 200 pounds, and you're not gaining or losing weight, we know you are consuming about 2000 calories. So 200 pound person burning 10 calories per pound of body weight per day, reconsuming 2000 calories, you maintain weight. If you are 200 pounds and you're gaining weight, we know you're consuming more than 200, 2,000 calories a day. So here's the deal. If you want to lose weight, you pick your weight and then you go with that. Say you would like to be uh, 160 pounds. We put a zero on the end of your goal weight. That's your new caloric budget. That's the amount of calories it would require to maintain a person of that size. So if you want to weigh 160 pounds you start eating 1,600 calories a day. That's your caloric budget. And once you've dropped from 2,000 to 1,600, you're creating a 400-calorie-per-day deficit. 3,500 calories equals a pound. So with that math, you lose a pound, about one pound every eight days. Now, if you add exercise, say you burn... 500 calories with exercise, now you have a 900 calorie per day deficit and boom, you're losing weight a lot faster. One pound every three and a half, four days. Usually with the exact formula for weight loss, people start losing weight pretty quickly. And it's not quickly in a weird way, like a 150 pound person would drop 20 pounds in a month, but you probably drop, you know, five, six pounds a month, which is totally healthy, normal, and you'd get there. Um, I'm not telling you, you can't have any... Uh, of particular foods, but what I will caution you or advise you is the healthier choices you make, the more food you will get to eat. So if you're on a 1600 calorie per day budget, if you go to fancy coffee shop in the morning, go to Starbucks, you have a fancy coffee, that's 500 calories. You got the bagel with cream cheese, that's about 700 calories. You really could eat up your caloric budget in the first few hours of your day. And if you did that and never ate any more per day, you would lose weight. However, if you did that on day one, by the time you got to one o'clock in the afternoon, if you weren't eating anymore, you'd have a headache, you'd be sick, you'd be cranky, you'd quit. So within 1,600 calories a day is actually a hell of a lot of food. You could have tons of produce, lean meats. You could have some whole grains. You could have some beans. You could have a little chocolate. You know, I have a piece of chocolate every day, and I consider it a super sad day if I don't have a piece of chocolate. So if 80, per, 80 to 90% of your choices are really healthy ones, you got some wiggle room in there for some fun, and you shouldn't feel deprived. People sticking with the formula, one of the greatest bits of feedback I get is, Fitz, I never feel hungry. I love that I can eat in the way I like by just being more moderate or, you know, I'm choosing grilled chicken over fried chicken. Basic substitutions go a long way with this formula. And again, it's customizable. The fact that there is literally a nutrition chart out there that advises everybody to eat 2,000 calories a day is insane. The fact that someone on the other side of the spectrum is telling everybody to eat 1,200 calories a day is insane. So find the weight that works for you. If you have a hundred pounds to lose, say you're going from three hundred to one to two hundred pounds, maybe set your budget halfway through, twenty-five hundred calories instead of just two thousand. But again, it's a it's a flexible pa- uh, format that works for you. Just get to that formula, and um, again, it's not a diet. It's something you can maintain this caloric budget for life, and be flexible with your food choices. No suffering involved. I implore you to go to fitsness.com and read that article. It's a good five minutes worth of reading. Not only is it my, you know, my educational piece on how to utilize your own budget, but then there's the frequently asked questions. So do that and it'll make all the difference in the world and why not start getting to your goal weight while you're training for your next race and then you could be the total package. You could be the person that has endurance and strength and flexibility and balance and oh, healthy eating habits and you're at your ideal weight. What's wrong with that? Um, The most common question I get from runners about the formula is, should I re-eat all the calories I burned? Well, absolutely not. However, if you are going to run an hour or more, absolutely have some extra calories. And so, you know, I tell folks, if you're doing Zumba, you know, a Zumba, I don't consider athletic. It's a great moderate exercise, but it's not like the Zumba athletes in the room. You don't have to replace your Zumba calories. But if you go out running six miles, seven miles, 10 miles, sure, you're going to need a little more. So replace it with a banana, a glass of chocolate milk. You don't replace your nine mile run with a big mac and fries. You gotta be moderate about it. And I would play with that formula. Um, I would wait i would I would just test it out. you know, try the chocolate milk. See if that satisfies you. If it does, good. you know, take your goo out on your run. there's there's some prepackaged stuff. and again, anything that has diet or weight loss on it is crap, snake oil, avoid it. However, For endurance athletes, there are certainly nutritional products that are convenient, non-perishable things that we can take with us for quick nutrition on the go. And I am 100% pro that. You know, I love my kind bars. I'll definitely take a Power Crunch bar or a Cliff Bar on a half marathon with me because I get hangry. Oh my gosh, I am such a, (laughs) I get cranky if I'm hangry. So um, read that article, I assure you. It will answer all of your questions, but no, you don't have to replace all the calories. And yes, after you finish your big deal marathon, sure, go out and have, you know, a big breakfast and enjoy yourself. But if you're trying to lose weight, this is the daily plan that will get you there. And you don't have to wait till race day is over. I encourage you to do both at the same time because taking that extra weight off will do so much good for your joints, for your spinal column, and it'll... You know, it'll lighten the load, make running easier, make you feel better. And, and what the, hey, maybe you PR, right? But food is fuel and uh, that, it just can't be understated. Eating is a very big part of this whole plan. And the more you focus on nutrition and what's actually good for you, the better you'll be. It's interesting because people, you know, I have a lot of people that want well, to that want to and have lost 150 pounds. And then I've got that group that says, oh, I just need to get off the five pounds and it gets harder to lose significant weight as you get smaller. But here's the deal if you want to look like an athlete, you have to behave like an athlete. And, and if you're down at that point where you think, geez, I just need to shave off five pounds, or I hate the word need, I want to change off fi- shave off five pounds. Well, then you up your workouts. You fine tune your eating habits. Maybe you don't have that handful of goldfish your kids, you know, out of your kids' snack ba- box every day. You know, it's the fine tuning. Gets you to a place where you look fine, fine-tuned. But you know, extremes never work. You don't have to pay your way to buy a bunch of products. You know, if I told you, here's some magic shoelaces that'll really enhance your runners, these are marathon shoelaces, would you fall for it? Please, God, I hope not. So um, be smart. Be smart. If it doesn't come to you for your grocery store for the most part, you don't need it. Um, some extra questions that I think are relevant. Um, hip symmetry. Oh my gosh. Hip symmetry, hip symmetry, hip symmetry. Your hips crave symmetry. They want balance, right? Your If your right leg moves as much as your left leg, that's symmetrical. If your right leg is as strong as your left leg, that's symmetrical. We like that, right? Stop crossing your legs. When you cross your legs, you create this asymmetri- asymmetrical pull where one side becomes tight, one side becomes... Uh, pulled and the other one is shortened. We want your hips to be even so you have an even experience. Stop crossing your legs. Any physical therapist will tell you. In fact, probably every physical therapist will tell you that. It's it's probably even worse than sitting on a big wallet all day. You get that? How many men go, oh, my back hurts. (laughs) Take the wallet out of your pocket. Oh, that feels better. So stop crossing your leg. We want each side to work as closely as possible in the same range of motion, same level of strength, same level of flexibility. If you have that, oh my gosh, you're way ahead of the game. People ask, should I buy tape or braces for my pain? The only taping should be done By a qualified professional who actually knows what's wrong with you so if you have um, undiagnosed knee pain well what is tape gonna do there's a bunch of taping styles that are really purposeful if you have ambiguous knee pain and you go to some running expo and you pay for a roll of tape and the person tapes you up what have they accomplished here's a little secret about the people taping you up Most of them are minimum wage employees who just showed up that day and were taught some sort of non-harmful, hopefully non-harmful taping style. Mind blown, right? There are not usually licensed athletic trainers there, and they would have to know exactly what's wrong with you in order to be able to tape appropriately. So... Unless you have a, a physical therapist who has said this is your problem and this is how to support that problem, you don't need tape. It's all the placebo effect and you're losing money. I know they look cool. If you want the cool look of tape, buy some stickers, put them all over, go for it. But you don't need tape from a, a minimum wage um, you know, person who knows as much as you do, for the love of God. And then these braces at Dick's or wherever you're getting them, only get a brace that your physical therapist or doctor says you need and so for example my fourteen hundred dollar knee brace came from my physical therapist it's a donjoy custom fitted to me to prevent the bowing of my leg that happened when i tore my mcl it's a specific brace for mcl tears or laxity so i have that and it works But if I went into Dick's and bought some random brace off the shelf, I would literally just be giving someone, throwing away 70 bucks or 30 bucks, and it may not not only help, but it probably could do damage. So don't fall for that stuff. Don't be your own doctor. Do not reach out to Facebook and say, hey, my knee hurts. What should I do? The only proper response to that question is go see your doctor or a physical therapist if you have a medical issue only medical professionals should be giving you advice and moving on from there um oh be well-rounded get a good night's sleep oh make every night a good night's sleep if you can deal with your stress avoid the crabby people go get your well checks your skin check your um, your annual gynecological exam, your colonoscopy, your mammogram, all of that counts. And this running industry, boy, we know so many people that are out on these courses with us that are dealing with cancer, that, you know, have Parkinson's or uh, Lord knows. So be good to yourself. You have to be a well rounded person because before you are an athlete, you are a person first. And, you know, I would be negligent. If I didn't focus on that, I'm going to harp on it. You are a person. You are well-rounded. You probably have people who love you for crying out loud, and you're not probably your only responsibility. I mean, if you are, la-ti-da, that sounds lovely. But many of us have people who rely on us, your spouse, your girlfriend, boyfriend, your children or your nieces, I mean, there's there's a lot of people who care about you. And for you to not only get through what life requires you on a daily basis, meaning work and errands and helping out your people, and then you want to do something extra ambitious like run a race or many races, you know. You are on Team Fitness now. This is the deal. University of Fitness. you have been accepted. You have been enrolled. And this is what I expect from you. If you are going to continue to put one foot in front of another for a very long time, whether it's 3,000 steps or you're going to go for that 52, 53,000 step marathon, I expect you to be a complete runner. Do not neglect your strength training. Do not neglect your stretching or your balance training or your nutrition, it all matters. And, um, you know, this is the greatest sport in the world, I believe. And I love sports so much. But the thing that means the most to me about running or walking uh, is that 50,000 people can line up on the same course to compete with each other on the same day. You know, the newest person can compete against, you know, the gold medal Olympian that year. It's very special. Runners take tremendous care of each other. And as a race announcer, what a pleasure. I get to, I literally get to serve people who are gritty. I I loathe quitters. I loathe excuse makers. I loathe people who, you know, search for pity on a regular basis. None of that goes on on race day. I get people who have decided exercise is a good idea. This athletic adventure is a good idea. I'm going to sign up for it, pay for it, train for it, show up at the before the dawn comes up, before we see the sun, and I'm going to go on this adventure. And lucky me to be able to be there at the start to hopefully make sure you have a fun time while you're there, send you off with all the love I can give, and welcome you back like a rock star that you deserve. I mean, it is such a privilege to be with you and all the runners and walkers in this group. You know, I love the winners. I love the winners. They're great. But who am I obsessed with? The back of the packers. If it takes you seven hours or more to complete a marathon and you've got the grit and the guts to stay out there for that long, hell, I want to be best friends. You know what I want to know? I want to know the story of every single person who crosses through my start and finish line because I think, what the heck made you do this? Tell me. And, and you know, some some people go through and I go, oh, yeah, they're a runner. Like me. Nobody wants to see me cross a finish line. Nobody cares. I kind of look fit and they just think, whatever, who cares? but it's the person in the back that's 350 pounds with two knee braces on with the tears. And I think, I love this person. This is the best person in this world because this is the grittiest, toughest person. And wow, what a change of life. And so um, thank you for listening. Thank you for letting me guide you for this past hour. I don't normally go over an hour with my podcast, but as you can tell, there's a lot of important information here. It truly matters. It will change your game and it will change your life. If you can get rid of your running pain, the running pain won't be there when you work. The running pain won't be there when you travel, when you sit in the car and your this hurts or your that hurts. It will change everything about the way you live. So um, let me help you. and, And this is what I want. This is what I want in return. I want commitment that when you start to see progress, you'll let me know. I want all of your success stories. I want all of your questions too. But I know you're going to have success stories if you do what I tell you to do. You will get where you want to go. Please allow me to celebrate with you. Reach out. I am at Fitness on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. I have a Fitness page. I also have an online training group called the Hottie Body Fitness Challenge, where I give out daily workouts. Uh, we utilize the exact formula for workout for <laughs> the exact formula for weight loss, and It's the nicest, most supportive, incredible group of human beings on the planet. It's free to join, and literally, everybody's making progress. We have folks down 160 pounds, 100 pounds, 50 pounds, winning races. We have the run the gamut. We have hotties here in the States, in Europe, in Uganda, for God's sake. We've got all the white people, all the black people, all the Hispanic, the Asian. We have... Gay, transgender, straight, we've got everybody, and I love everybody because they are all trying. And again, it's just like that race course. I I get to be surrounded by gritty people who care about themselves, who are going to try hard, and let me coax them along the way. So um, again, excited to spend this hour with you. I can't wait to hear about your success. Please stick around to hear Rudy Novotny tell you all about my before school walking running program called the morning mile. It is in almost 300 schools around the USA and beyond. My kids have run over 3 million miles and we are literally changing the face of the next generation. If you would like to help expand the love of running and walking to children while extending the length and quality of their life, visit morningmile.com. And on that note, folks, I can't wait to see you at a start and finish line real soon. Get to
0: work. Hi, this is Rudy Novotny, the voice of America's marathons. We all love how much running has benefited every aspect of our lives, so much so that most of us only wish we'd started sooner. Wouldn't it be wonderful to gift the opportunity to children of today? Well, you can. The Morning Mile is a before-school walking and running program that gives children the chance to start each day in an active way while enjoying fun, music, and friends. That's every child, every day. It's also supported by a wonderful system of rewards which keeps students highly motivated and frequently congratulated. Created by our favorite fitness expert, Fitz Kohler, Morning Milers across the country have run over two million miles and are having greater success with academics, behavior, and sports because of it. The Morning Mile is free to the child, free to the school, and is inexpensively funded by businesses or generous individuals. Help more kids get moving in the morning by visiting MorningMile.com. Champion the program at your favorite school or find out more about sponsorship opportunities. That's MorningMile.com. Long may you run.